Hey guys, this is Sean Williams, the host of the Shark Attack and Variety Bites and the owner of the Sean Williams Podcast Network. I'm hoping you guys are loving what you hear. As always, if you enjoy what you're hearing from the show, make sure that you can make sure that if you feel like it, you donate to help keep this revolution going. Just there's no real set amount, no minimum, no maximum, just whatever you feel like donating to help keep the show going. And I wanted to take this opportunity to also mention that this show also now has a voice message system. So you can actually leave voice messages for with your comments, your questions, anything that you want me to cover on either the shark attack or on variety bites. If you want to leave your thoughts or questions about wrestling, make sure that you mention that, that it's for the attack and if you got something that you want me to talk about in sports or in entertainment, make sure you mention that it's for Variety Bites. And I promise the link for the voice message will be provided in the episode description at the end end of this show. So guys, make sure make sure you donate if you like what you hear, and of course make your voice heard and leave your some leave your voice message on on this show. And because I guarantee you. It will make it a good one, make it count, because I will also have it played on the air. So make your voices heard, people, and help keep this revolution going. What is up, people? This is The Attack. I am yours truly, the one and only Shark, Sean Williams, and of course, joined by co-host of Variety Bites, taking taking JP's spot for the time being, is the, Mr. T5 himself, Travis Smith. T5, the biggest reason I had to bring this show back, because, well, for one thing, I had to, have, I had to make sure people still remembered I had this show, so... And we got quite a few things to talk about wrestling-wise, so it was too big to fit in just one podcast. I think of you would course. agree on that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, first and foremost, got to figure it's fitting to kick things off with a bang. So with that being said, going to bring back this it, people. For those of you that don't that are unfamiliar, this is the Cross the Line segment. Bitch, what line? So, first things first, T5, I gotta tell you, my cross the line, it's two things that took place on Raw. One, I could honestly watch it for hours, but seeing Drew McIntyre kick, <laughs> Claymore kick Brock Lesnar's ass clear to hell all three times. I, I gotta tell you, this is how you build up Drew for that match. But also... And this also pertains to the build-up to WrestleMania. Randy Orton and Edge and how you're building that up is just... It's brilliant beyond words. I mean, what more can you say about it than that? 
The only thing I can say is this might actually main event WrestleMania. You know, <laughs> is that is, is that is that well built? I mean, it's getting a lot. Other than other than um Brock versus Drew, because at this point, Goldberg versus Roman Reigns, nah, not so much. Unless that build up, unless that build up goes like out of control in the next couple of weeks, um Brock versus Drew may may get gain some steam. But right now, like Edge and uh, Randy, man, that's the story right there. Yeah, and you know, uh, I was saying this to you and to JP on the on Facebook that the way they're built, they're prepping this match. Not not only do you want people, do the people want to see Edge come back, they want him to come back and freaking kill Randy Orton. They want him to just break him into so many pieces that a Boy Scout couldn't tie him back together. They want him to just massacre Randy Orton. I mean, the heat that he's getting right now is nuclear. And I guarantee you, and I said this to Brian last night, that when Edge does return, the pop that he gets is going to make what he got at the Royal Rumble look like a pin drop. I mean, this is like the one, uh, the one storyline they're actually taking their time and they're thoughtfully planning this out. Like when first they, when like right after the rumble, they proper. I mean, right after the attack. I mean, I should say, they properly had Randy come out, sit there for like forever, and not answer anybody, and then leave. Then he turned around and did it again the next week and pissed everybody off. And then he had the, the Matt Hardy attacks for two weeks in a row, and that gained a lot of heat. And then, of course, we had this week. <laughs> so they've pro- so they properly been building him with not just any kind of heat, but nuclear heat. So when Edge comes back, everybody's like, oh, you're going to get it when Edge comes back. When Edge comes back, you're going to get it. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And, of course, they're going to keep those two as far away from each other. That way to keep the build the suspense. To let the beat build, as we like to say. So, man, they're properly planning this one angle out. All other angles are kind of hit or miss. But this one... And like I like I told you uh, um, uh, earlier, I said this is one of those you can't mess it up angles. <laughs> you really can't. It I mean it has all the makings to be most lo- to be the show stealer of that night. And I agree with you. I think this has all the makings, even though there's no title in this, to be a main event. And you know what? By all rights, considering everything that Edge is given to the business, not to mention the heat that Randy Orton's got, this is just what he's ju- he's good at. I mean, and all the build up to this for this story, you it has all by all rights it ought to be the main event. I mean, I I got to tell you, I care about I mean, I'm more invested with that story 
given. I'm I'm still partially invested in Drew McIntyre and Brock only because I want to see Drew beat Brock Lesnar. But I'm not invested in any other storyline going on into WrestleMania other than this. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. Um, my only thing with uh, Drew and Brock is Brock's got to get his back because you just can't have dude rolling... You know, you want to build, you want to build Drew up. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, you can't have him uh, just rolling on Brock, Brock like that. You know, Brock's not gonna take that. So just like, like right after, uh, just like right after the Rumble, Brock was in, in his feelings. You know, he's definitely gonna be in his feelings after this one. You got Claymore kicked three times. Bruh, dude, dude played you. Dude made you look bad. Brock's, Brock's got to be, you know, we've all known Brock for years now. He's got to be feeling some sort of way. Oh, yeah, but let correction, he didn't just Claymore kick him. He knocked his ass out cold. You think Brock's forgetting that? I don't think so. Exactly. So he's going to be feeling some sort of way. Everybody's going to be like, man, Brock's not going to show up. Brock's going to be at home. Like, hell, he is. He's going to come back. Mm-mm, Brock got to get his back. But here's a question for you. Let's say they actually change their mind and Drew doesn't go over Brock. How much of a disaster is that going to be in terms of momentum for Drew McIntyre? It won't be a disaster for him. It'll, it'll be more of a disaster for WWE because that'll piss everybody off. Your whole deal is you want to send the fans home happy. You know, with, you know, the bad guy gets his gets 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 his due. Good guy gets his comeuppance. Everybody goes home happy. Everybody's talking. You don't, you know, you want to have controversy sometimes, but you don't want to have controversy, or in other words, you don't want to swerve just for the sake of swerving. You know, Brock is a draw. Don't get me wrong, but Brock doesn't need it. They need to build new stars. Now, granted, Drew isn't new to us at least, but he is a new name to put in like the main event picture. You need new stars. You need to build Drew McIntyre, and I, he's shown this dude has the juice to be the champion we that we've been waiting for. So you can build dudes under him. You can start building a new main event picture up minus Brock, so you don't have to lean on Brock all the time. So it would behoove WWE more than anything to put the title on him and not, you know. Oh, oh, you thought you thought he was gonna win, huh? We fooled you. Yeah, I I would agree with that one. But you know, before we get, because we got a, quite a lot of big stuff to be talking about, I want to get the next segment out of the way, which we aptly call "Who writes this crap?" Who's in charge over there? This is aggravating me now. What? I can't count on you people. I cannot be the only one that thinks that the Eric Rowan pet reveal is stupid as hell 
a mechanic, a giant mechanical tarantula? Are you kidding me? That's what you've been teasing all the all these months with him carrying around some some cage that I can only guess he got from Bad News Brown's garage sale. And yeah, I did go there with the Bad News Brown cage full of sewer rats reference. Sue me. But the other one that I think was dumb is, look, I love Morrow on NXT, but is are they really that oblivious to why Johnny Gargano double-crossed Tommaso Ciampa? I can't be... I mean, you and I talked about this. We all know why, why Gargano did it. So the fact that they actually expect people to not realize why Gargano did it, to me, is just asinine. I don't even work at Full Sail, and I know why the hell Johnny. <laughs> I know why the hell Johnny did it. Yeah, you don't have to be in the PC and know why Johnny did it. You can roll up uh, today and watch highlight footage of their history and be like, "Hmm, I bet y'all know why Johnny did it." <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, this is like, like y'all serious? Y'all seriously asking that question? Why Johnny? Why? I'm like. Are you serious? Is that a rhetorical question? I hope that is. And uh, Eric Rowe, man, that cage stuff, <laughs> man, uh, I like the I like the better when people try to stick their hands in there to get bit. Cause like, uh huh, you ask you to mind your business, uh huh. Then you then your mom ever tell y'all to mind your damn business, and your ass got bit. Now that was dumb. The lamest thing, or a robotical ass spider. Really, really, bruh? Really? Oh, 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 man, y'all could have. I would have put like a damn neutral rat in there or something. That's what I would have put. <laughs> right. Who, who has a pet neutral rat? Eric Rowan does. That would have been so wild and weird. If folks would have been Googling Nutria, what is a Nutria? What is a Nutria? As we in Louisiana call a Nutrirat. They'd have been Googling the hell out of that. Google would have exploded the top, top trending Nutria. You know, I never thought it could be weirder than Dustin Rhodes when he was in TNA as Black Rain and sporting a rat. That he called his quote-unquote Arctic Fox. I didn't think it could get weirder than that. But, lo and behold, that segment, they did it. I mean, that's what I would have went, because one, not everybody has a damn Nutria. Because they're not pets. And then it fits the weirdo, the whole weirdo vibe that Eric Rowan gets and stuff. And then, the damn things bite people. So, you know what? You stick your hand in that damn cage, guess what? You get bit. It would have fit. It all would have made sense. And then it would have totally got over, too. Because folks would be like, man, what the hell is a Nutria? You wouldn't have expected that. You would have thought it was like, I don't know. You you would have thought probably what, spider or something else. You wouldn't have thought it was a damn Nutria, you know that. You would have had to Google that to find out what it was. It would have totally fit. But you're going to go with a damn robotical-ass spider. 
mechanical ass spot. Bruh, y'all just like I said, WWE sometimes they just don't be trying. Or they just they just give a lack of care to some storylines and stuff. And others they focus like wholeheartedly like it's all hands on deck with Drew McIntyre and Brock and Edge and Randy Orton. But it's put that guy in charge of this one, and he and it's a new guy. He's in charge of Eric Rowan and this spider thing. Put the put the new guy in charge of that one. We need all hands on deck for the other stuff. Honestly, even Stevie Wonder would would say that damn thing's fake. There's not one person that's buying that that thing's real. <laughs> Big ass. That damn thing was. Somebody else said they went Google to see how big spiders can get to see if that damn thing could actually be that big. I'm like, y'all are fucking terrible. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean, though, though that thing was real about as much as the spiders in Eight Legged Freaks was real. Oh, CGIS. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that still would have looked more realistic than that damn thing that was in Eric Rowan's freaking cage. Man, that was terrible. Oh yeah, it was just bad. But you know, let's talk. Let's. I had to get the bad stuff out of the way so we could get the to the real good stuff. So. Wrestling. Yep. We had a lot of title changes take place. I mean, I forgot to list it in the topics, but. Rush has reclaimed the Ring of Honor world title, defeating Haskins and also and champion PCO. But we also saw Goldberg beat the fiend Bray Wyatt at Super Showdown, and now he's pegged to face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. T5, you and I both knew that the second that the fiend lost, there were going to be a lot of people butthurt over it. Now I know about you. I wasn't one of them. Oh no! I I I I figured it had a. I was surprised it happened, but I wasn't like aspirin, but hurt over it, cause I figured it had a rhyme and a reason. And it doesn't really, it doesn't really necessarily hurt the fiend because, for one, I like the fiend not having the title in the first place. And this is the reasoning, because he's more of a chaser than he is the chasee. He's like the dude that, that goes hunting after people and, and causing chaos and trouble. Him having a title, but still chasing after people makes kind of no sense. He's supposed to have the target on his back. You're supposed to be going after, I want the fiend, I want the championship, I want the smoke, the fiend. Not, not... The fiend coming looking for you and looking for new ch- No, that don't make no sense. So I, that's that's why I was one of those people that were like, I really didn't want the fiend to win the title in the first place. Everybody was like, they better put the fiend on. They better put the title on the fiend. They better put the title on the fiend. I was like, no, because he don't need it. But so that's why I was pretty, you know, cool with him uh, losing to uh, Goldberg. And I kind of got it, too, because this has, like, Fox written all over it. Like, they want to build up, you know, 
the match for WrestleMania. Who better to put against Roman Reigns than Goldberg? Or the new age Goldberg, Goldberg Light. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 a it's a more it's more of a name thing because Fox wants to give off more of a sports type vibe, mainstream vibe. If you have if you, if you put on the website, if you put on TV, the Fiend versus Roman Reigns, the casuals are gonna look at that and they're gonna laugh their ass off. They're gonna be like, look at this guy with this clown thing on his face. What the hell? This trash is fake. And they're gonna have all the all the fake wrestling jokes and stuff. You wanna try to give off a a air of realism, like two gladiators going to town on each other. Bam, bam, bam. You know, that sort of thing. Two warriors. Big bad Goldberg. Everybody remembers Goldberg. Oh man, I grew up with Goldberg. And then you have Roman Reigns. Oh, that's that Roman Reigns cat I've been hearing about. Two big horses going to town. Bam, bam, bam. That's what you want to give off as you know your wrestling match. Not a guy with a with a clown mask on. You know that's for that's for the WWE universe. That's not to bring in you know outside folk. So that's why they have Goldberg versus Roman Reigns as opposed to The Fiend versus Roman Reigns. So I'm all right with it. Good point, but you know, I'll do another one better for you. You saw the reaction that Roman Reigns got when he came, when he came out and confronted Goldberg and told him, I'm next. And he actually got a good pop. He, he didn't get booed. You would not have gotten that if it was Roman Reigns and The Fiend. Oh, it most definitely, because they still like The Fiend. Because, like I said, the WWE Universe, the, the fans, the, the returning fans, every day, every week fans, they love The Fiend. You know? They, they don't boo The Fiend. They didn't boo The Fiend when, when he was going against Daniel Bryan. They didn't boo The Fiend when he was going against The Miz. They like The Fiend. They like the Firefly Funhouse. You stick Roman Reigns out there versus The Fiend, guess who getting booed? Not The Fiend. Yeah, and you know, I was saying this the other on uh, Break It Down with Brian, Brian H. When, uh, when it's been, what, about a year, give or take, since Roman came back and announced that his leukemia was in remission? Yeah, actually, I think it. Yeah, it's about a year and some change, but they haven't given him any legit title shot. They've paced themselves. They've been patient. You know what? Honestly, I think it's about time you start get taking it up to another another level with Roman. Now that he's back, I mean, damn sure, no more of him and Baron Corbin. That feud got played to death. They did a good job with um with that with hitting kind of hitting kind of hitting the reset button on him, and those my only thing is is they spent a little bit too long with the Baron Corbin thing. That was getting played out way too much. That was getting way played out. But other than that, they did right with the whole reset button because they know they messed up. 
and they didn't want, and they were getting, they were, they were, they were getting a blessing in the sky. You know, you don't ever want to say that you know somebody getting sick, especially cancer or leukemia, is a blessing. But him going away and coming back, it was the was the was the blessing because you were able to hit the restart button on him, so to speak, and he's getting cheered now. That's what you wanted. It yeah. wasn't like he was getting force fed down nobody's throat like before. It was organic. That's what you want. Now that you're on good terms, now that he's on good terms with the WWE universe and everybody's behind him, let's build off of that. So they put him in the right feud. They didn't put him right to the main event picture again. They let him beat this guy, beat that guy. Then they had him feuding with King Corbin, who nobody likes. But the only thing was they spent a little bit too much time with that. But I kind of get it because you had to build the Fiend up and let the Fiend do his thing. So I get it. And look, we all know Goldberg is only, it's only name value only. We know he's not going to be the long term with that belt. And honestly, when Roman came out and got in his face and said, I'm next. I dug it. Yeah, because the thing is, you're not going to want two long, convoluted uh, uh, promos between these two. No, it's not even going to take that. It's not. Like I said, it's two big horses coming, two, two alphas coming to the ring. Like, it's, it's, basic, it's basic wrestling. Two big horses come to the ring. You know, we can't get along. We got to get it on. That sort of thing. It writes itself. Absolutely. Well, you know, we'll talk the other title change that took place, and I was happy about this one on that took place on Monday Night Raw. What more can you say than we want the smoke, and we got it. The Street Profits are now the Raw Tag Team Champions. For much as grief as we give uh, uh, WWE about that whole Raw tag team picture, because we're like, okay, you have a makeshift tag team with the titles, and you have like three three legit tag teams that don't have the belt on them at all. They were getting like a lot of grief for that, but they corrected that, and, I, and they and they still have. AOP looking semi-strong. The Viking Raiders didn't have to take the L against the Street Profits. And now you have the Street Profits with the titles. They're not sitting backstage hyping Monday Night Raw up like they were before. They're actually wrestling. They actually got over. They're actually the Raw Tag Team Champions. Cool. Let's roll with that. You've corrected the problem. Great. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad they fixed that, and I'm glad they they went with the street profits, because honestly, you had the Viking Raiders like winning squash matches for the longest, and then you don't even have ALP wrestling anybody. They they're more like the backup plan and stuff. So. I mean, they have, at least they have part of the 
part of the problem fixed, and now they're going to run it back with uh, Street Profits versus uh, Seth Rollins, the, the Monday Night Messiah, and Don't Call Me Buddy Murphy. So that'll be interesting. Or as Angelo Dawkins has now called him, Murph the Smurf. <laughs> Murph the Smurf. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, you look at Ford and Dawkins, how can you not be entertained by these guys? I mean, the, 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 I mean, the charisma that they got is just awesome, and the, how they made We Want the Smoke popular, I mean, it, it's over, to me, it's overdue, giving them a serious run like this, but God help WWE if they actually make them drop the belts on Sunday. Man, the, the, you like the the wild thing was, you saw cats in Saudi Arabia with red solo cups. Mm-hmm. These guys are, 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 are worldwide, not just not just nationwide. They're worldwide. These two are stars. So I understand why they had them, you know, hyping the show up in the back and not wrestling. Because they have so much charisma. They're so, they're so entertaining, you know? And you're like, okay, if we're not going to have you wrestling, we want to have you on TV so everybody can see you. Everybody can have you see you front and center so you, they can see your personality. So that was cool. That was smart. The only th- my only thing was they weren't wrestling. That's what we want to see. We want to see them do athletic stuff. We want to see their in-ring chemistry as well as their outer ring chemistry like we all know they're charismatic and they're fun and everything we want to see that in the ring too that's my only thing about them you know just being used to hype everybody else's matches you know the last couple of months we wanted to see them in the ring putting in work yeah I mean I look back to when it was the Street Profits against against the OC, and they got the win. And how crazy the crowd went! And when they're going when they're going through the crowd celebrating, and you got Montez Ford with that baby, and the baby smiling. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> you gotta love moments like that. That was great. He just randomly grabbed the yep. baby. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, oh, that was fantastic, but, yeah, but, uh, of course, the biggest, uh, title change, uh, took place at AEW Revolution. We have a new AEW World Champion, and his name is John freaking Moxley. And, uh, you know, T5, you and I both know he, he didn't have a real eye injury, but how he was sporting the eye patch... And how he sold that, he sold that swerve on Jericho, saying, guess what, I can see, asshole. That was just, honestly, I've said this before and I'll say it again, you could just tell with this guy, it's like he's reborn. Dude, I I know, seriously, I didn't make too much a deal about it, but I'm sitting there like for like weeks, like, Man, is his eye still messed up? <laughs> you know, right. and I was like, "Yeah, whatever, whatever," and I let it, I let it slide. But 
when he decided to lift that patch up and he like all bug eyed and his eyes were both working, I was like, wow. <laughs> I couldn't help I couldn't help but start dying laughing. I was like, this dude right here is stupid. I love it. Issa then played Jericho and I love how Jericho sold it. He was like, You're a liar. You lied to me for weeks. <laughs> yeah. What kind of champion are you? You lied to us for weeks, telling us you was your eye injury. I trade for a person with one eye. <laughs> Jericho is the goat, man. He sat there and he played. He he sold the hell out of that. He was like, you 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 you're, you're not a champion. You're a liar. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there's one thing that I definitely took out of Revolution. It's like, And I've said this to you. We saw, to, in my opinion, we saw glimpses of guys who have all the potential in the world to becoming the, the big key players for this promotion. Guys like Darby Allen, Sammy Guerrero, and Moxley, of course, MJF, and Adam Page. Honestly, the more I see him... The more I think, you know, I get why they didn't give him the belt. He wasn't ready. He didn't have an I an identity. He's got one now. Dude, he is over like Rover. Like it's 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 a it's a huge difference from when he was before. Like you know, he was over like a little over before, but that was just from you know. Being with Kenny and being with Box and being with Cody, they stuck him out there by himself, and he he didn't have the same juice. So him taking the L to Jericho was definitely needed, because he was able to go through this this build, and now he's like over the, this whole storyline they've been telling with him and Kenny and and the Elite, the whole breakdown and everything. He's been over like Rover. Cowboy S word has been getting is is been getting way over. And, and man, I, 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 you're every week you can't wait to see what he's gonna do next. Like this week, he came down to make the save, and he's sitting there just drinking his beer, just mosey on down like a cowboy, just mosey on down the ramp. No in like like no sense of urgency at all. Still drinking his beer. Then he puts his beer in the corner. And then he gets in there and just goes to town on them. I'm like, wow. And the fact you're thinking like, wow, is he gonna shake hands with Mac? Is he gonna shake hands with Mac Jackson? Nope. Gives him the finger and leaves. Yep. And <laughs> Man, I know I've seen it already a couple of times, but that buckshot lariat, that don't get old. That thing is a thing of beauty. Yeah, I mean, it's not just some it's not so much the impact of the move, it's the showmanship of it. And he nails it every single time with just precision. Show as hell does, man. And um, like you were saying earlier with um, with Darby Allen, speaking of over like Rover, that dude is over. His entrance 
everybody gets hyped for his entrance. And he just has this presence, you know? And then they put they put him over big time. Off the heels of that dope match he had at Revolution, they put him over big time Monday. One on two handicap match after uh after Moxley got taken out and he was like, She oh, oh, oh we still gotta have this match. We still gotta have this. And he's sitting there fighting off Jericho and Sammy. And then when he goes to make the tag and like, I don't have nobody in my corner. And tags himself. Come on, man. The cop that coffin dropped to the outside on the um on the inner circle. Mm-hmm. This dude was super over. And when he took that the Judas effect shot when he dove through the ropes and Jericho clocked him with it, the way he landed. Yeah. That just looked nasty. I mean, just the way he hit. He he sold the attack and everything, but he got way over by being a badass and and going one-on-two. It it plays with his character. Like, he gives zero Fs. He's not going to back down. He is one reason why I think, even though it's still early with AEW, He's one reason I feel like they need a mid-card belt. It's because of guys like him. Mm-hmm. But, and, you know, I was saying this with uh, about MJF going over on Cody. Cody doesn't need to go over. He, to, in his eyes, what him and the Bucks, they're trying to build. In his eyes, this is bigger than going over, getting a win, and winning a championship. They they want to make their stars. They want to make their storytellers. And you're right. They did they did right. Um in that that tag the, in the in the initial tag tournament when they put over private party, they want to build new stars. And they did that with Private Party. Now they're over because they got over on the Bucks by letting uh by let by losing to like Santana and Ortiz by losing to the Lucha Brothers. They put them over while telling a story. Cause now you circle back and you're like, S- I mean, um, the Bucks feel like they should have been tag team champions. They're the best tag team in the world why aren't they champions yet that's what helped hype that story between Kenny and um and Hangman versus the Bucks they felt like they should have been tag team champion before but they've been taking L's so not only were they putting over other tag teams building them up but they also helped hype a future story and for everybody that says the Bucks can't tell stories? She, they just did. And the same thing with Kenny, putting putting people over. Cody as well. Cody put uh, Darby Allen over by, by going to a draw. He didn't lose, didn't win, but he went to a draw. And that put Darby Allen over because you got this unknown dude hanging with Cody. 
And now look where Darby Allen is now. So they've been doing it right. You know, for everybody that gives them grief about, well, Kenny Omega, look at him. He's supposed to be the best dude and the best wrestler in the world. And look at him. And they're, they're trying to build stars. They're thinking long game. Yeah, exactly. And you and I have talked about this multiple times, but the only real flaw or noticeable flaw with AEW that's impossible to ignore is the women's division. And, you know, talking, I talked on about this on Break It Down last night, and Brian, brought, Brian Waters brought up a good point about Nyla Rose, and I agree with it. She's transgender. We get it. Respect that, but you don't need that to be her character. We don't need to be reminded of that. Let let what she does in the ring speak for itself. And I'm I agree with that. Let Nyla Rose establish her own identity. Oh, no, I'm. That's all I was saying. And that's exactly that's exactly what they're doing. They're doing right. They don't bring it up. We all know it. It's, it's, it's no ancient Chinese secret. You know, we all know it. But they don't bring it up. They don't make a big deal, a big whoop about it. They don't mention it. Whatever. They let her character, her in-ring, they let that be, you know, what, the, what defines her. And they're doing right, you know? And um, like you're saying, the only big knock with AEW right now is that women's division. A lot of the women are kind of on the green side. They need some veterans in there to help the women out. Like, the only veteran they really had was Kong, and she's um, doing glow right now. So they need somebody behind the scenes or somebody in the ring with them to kind of, you know, help them out. A lot of their, uh, a lot of the problem was the, um, the more experienced uh, women were the Japanese women, like Riho and um, Shida and such. And the only thing was, they don't speak really good English. So they couldn't cut too many promos like talking about. Because Shida is over. She's over with the crowd. And Riho is too. only thing is, Riho had, you know, obligations with stardom in Japan. So that's why she was away most of the time. And they kind of brought that up with a lot of Britt Baker's um, promos, talking about how she's never there. They should have played more into that as well. But at the time, they were kind of transitioning um, Britt Baker from face to heel. But now that she's full heel, you know, you can kind of, you know, you can't do it anymore because she's not champion anymore. But, you know... That would have been good for them to kind of harp on if they would have did a program with uh with uh Britt Baker and Rio. But like I said, they you know they they all the women are still kind of on the green side, and they're trying to build up Chris Statlander and uh and Big Swole. They're trying to build them up, but they still need you know they need that veteran presence. Like most of the girls are either in Impact or NXT. So there's not a lot of, you know, veteran women out there, you know, on the indies or, you know, not contracted 
for AEW to use. Right. And, you know, yeah, Britt Baker is now full heel, although in terms of, like, wrestling-wise, and it applies to a lot of them, she's still green. I tell you, the one that, I, and I've said this, the one that I'm probably the most disappointed in what they're doing with her is Allie. Yeah, Allie had, Allie had the most experience from Impact. She she was she and she was the most over too, so I I didn't. Uh, it was a surprise to everybody that they they paired her with. You know, I heard they did the butcher blade and the bunny thing on the indies, but you know everybody really knows her from being on Impact. You know, solo as the bunny, so you know. I don't think they really needed to do that. I don't think they really needed to put her with them. I think the I think the women's division needed her more than the whole blade, the butcher and the blade uh, character, you know, did. Because you could have easily had anybody. You could have easily had uh, anybody else be hired guns for MJF. I mean. The women's division needed her more than, more than the butcher and the blade did, in my opinion, at least. You think it's possible that when Brandy Rhodes and Kong were doing their thing, the whole Nightmare Collective, and one of their last victims of like cutting somebody's hair was Allie, you think they just were trying, in the midst of trying to sweep that whole angle, which they knew was going nowhere, under the rug and pretending it never happened? That was why they made that decision to have Allie just go the bunny with the butcher and the blade. Yeah, cause um, I remember when that all went down. Like one of their last victims was Allie, and next thing you know, she pops up with the butcher and the blade. Now they never explain it, they never mention it, but you kind of in your head think you kind of put two and two together. You know, like oh, she was attacked by Kong last and they cut her hair blah 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 next thing you know she pops back up and she's healed and stuff so you kind of put two and two together but um uh yeah that whole nightmare collector thing i'm glad they figured out it wasn't it wasn't working and that's that's one of the the good things about AEW is they listen to the fans they follow social media they listen to these comments and stuff, and they figure out what's working and what's not, and what needs to be tweaked. And they figured that nightmare collective thing wasn't going nowhere. And they they put the they finally put the kibosh on that, and that's cool. But you know, at the same time, you kind of wasted a lot of time. You could have had Awesome Kong like running, running wild and putting people over, or you know, building something up, you know, something, something different, you know, it, it was kind of like a waste of time in, in, in a sense. And, um, like I said, Allie was like over as a face and she had the most experience out of all the other girls. So, I mean, you gotta do, they, they, they need to do something with her other than just being a manager. 
Yeah, otherwise it's a waste of what she's capable of doing. We all know she's capable of doing so much more. Right. But, you know, one big surprise we saw on, well, before we talk about that, something else that took place with, uh, with Revolution, we saw, um, we saw Christopher Daniels pull quite the swerve on, uh, the Dark Order. It's like, come yeah, on. Yeah, that, that was pretty, that was pretty cool. It's um, like, I was just gonna say, did you, I was just gonna say. Sorry, I was just going to say that. Did the Dark Order really think Daniels was going to turn against his boys in SCU? I think not. Oh, no, they knew. They knew. If you even, if you look at their reaction, they knew that wasn't the exalted one. They were like, what the hell is this? Listen, they're looking, looking at each other and stuff. They're like, what the hell is this? And then he comes out and takes the hood off and it's Christopher Daniels. They knew they they knew that it wasn't you know one of their guys, and they're highly pissed. <laughs> and so uh, I guess the exalted one is near, and they've been teasing us the last couple of weeks. We thought we might get something last night, but you know, Evil Uno grabs the mic and he's like, "Yeah, guys, the exalted one's gonna." pissed that he's he's coming dude and everybody's like okay once again let the let the let the speculation train <laughs> speculation station uh take off because everybody's once again who's the exalted one dun, dun, dun. america's favorite new game yep and you know a couple weeks ago you had people suspecting one name because he got spotted in the crowd. It was probably by accident. But Raven as the exalted one. But there's been nothing else that's come up other than that. However, the one that also has been tossed around has been the newly free agent, Matt Hardy. And like I said before, I love how AEW listens to the fans, they they follow social media and they use it to a they use it to a T, man. Cause I, for one, on being the elite, they had the Cameron, uh, North Carolina, what you would call area code number, pop up on their phone at the end of the video, and next thing you know, they connect it to. Uh, Matt's Free the Elite video where he's calling somebody for help. Next day you know who rolls up at the end of the video? The Bucks of You. And everybody's like, oh my god, Matt Hardy and AEW confirmed. So it was, man, it's crazy. And everybody was expecting in the show up so everybody, so guess what? Everybody, their mama was gonna watch. Guess what? You only got one one young buck, and that was Matt, and no Matt Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> so folks are gonna continue to speculate, and they're gonna continue to watch 
because this has been the, one of the most compelling things in wrestling today. At first, I told a friend about it before, I was like, remember when the Dark Order couldn't get, could, got barely any reaction? And now all of a sudden, it's the one thing everybody's talking about? Mm-hmm. Remember that? Yeah, <laughs> I remember. But you know, one other one other face we saw show up last night. Jake the Snake Roberts. Snake. And man, did he tear he on that microphone? He, he tore Cody a new asshole. He still got it. Clap, 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 clap. He still got it. That guy on the microphone was a. He was a freaking Da Vinci on that thing. Dude, you just like when he when he started talking, you just got this chill on you, man. You just got this feeling. And I was like, ooh, I've been felt like this uh listening to Jay talking. Ooh, forever, man. And I was just in. I was like, give me all here go all my chips. I'm all in. Jake's talking, Jake's talking. And man, did he deliver. I was I was all in for that, man. And then the line of the night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A wise man once told me to never turn your back on someone that you how he said it, that you respect or that you fear. And then turns his back on Cody and tosses him the mic. I was dead. Dead ass. Man, it was that was something. But you know and if correct me if I'm wrong, isn't next week when we're supposed to see uh Lance Archer make his debut? Um, I don't think they I don't think they set a specific date because a lot of people thought it was gonna be this week. Because of uh, what they said before, they just they just made the announcement that Lance Archer had been signed. They didn't say specifically when he was gonna uh, pop up, so it could be this week. I mean, it could be the next uh, Wednesday, or it could be anytime soon. I don't think they said it specifically yet. I wouldn't be surprised if Jake ends up being his manager. Now, see, we had, we have talked about this before. My uh, guess was, was the other way around. Um, I think because, like, Jake teased that, you know, my, he has a client. And his client is coming soon. And my thing is, I think it might be Brody Lee, a.k.a. Luke Harper. And one reason is... They're going to be in Rochester, New York, where Brody Lee is from. So he's going to get that hometown hype, that hometown pop. And that's like in, what, two weeks? Or the week after this one? Give or take. So I can see see Jake coming out next week and keeping the hype train coming and then saying, hey, Cody, next week you're going to take on my client. You're going to see who he is, blah, blah, blah. And then, bam, it turned out to be Brody Lee. I can see that happen. Yeah, it's possible. 
But you know, let's let's jump from a uh, AEW to uh, something else that I got a kick out of watching last night. We nap. We were saying who's gonna be Adam Cole's challenger, and we got it. The Velveteen Dream has is now targeting Adam Cole and the NXT title, and man, he played undisputed era. He made them look like chumps. Gee, you can't cage the dream. <laughs> nice try. You can't cage the dream, baby. He played them. He's like, you got Roderick Strong versus Velveteen Dream in a cage. Ooh, I took the L. Guess what? Psych, I just wanted Adam Cole. Ha, ha, ha. Played ya. And man, he just whooped all of them. And I'm, I'm like, damn. He just, he, he just, he made them look like suckers. Oh yeah, he played, when I saw that, I was like, wow, y'all just got played. Yep. And, you know, Brian, uh, Brian Waters asked me, do I, do I think that Velveteen Dream is going to be the next NXT champion? And I, I said. I said it before, I'll say it again. Abso freaking lootly. Yeah. <laughs> and and I said this last night too that you know, this is coming from somebody who I wasn't instantly a fan of Velveteen Dream. I didn't get it. But then I watched what he was able to do in the ring. I watched him go against guys like Ricochet, guys like Aleister Black, Ciampa, and others. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm getting it with this guy. And, and, and even, uh, even further testament of how good he was was when he was the North American champion and he took on a returning Tyler, Tyler Breeze. And I wasn't a fan of Breeze either, but he they got me invested into that match. Oh, dude, I was a fan of his. When he came back with that, with that Velveteen Dream character i was like what the hell and i was instantly like you know what i'm here for this let's see what let's see what happens when he was feuding with cassius oh no i was say my name say my name wow i was so dope for that and he knocked his ass out he said he said my name <laughs> Wait, that was Cassius Ono or that was Alistair Black? It. I loved it. I was instantly a fan of this dude. From that day forward, I was like, this thing is wild. And next thing, and like you said, him and Tyler Breeze taking the selfies and stuff, mocking each other, that was so dope. And then even though he lost, they took a selfie. To, that was so dope. He constantly comes up with stuff. And he's so out there. He has his own couch. <laughs> yep. This thing is, is so wild when he puts the stuff on his tights. Sign, call me up, Vince. Sign me up, call me up. Wow, man. This dude just has me. Yeah, you know, when I wasn't uh, into Velveteen Dream at first... It was before he started to go all out with, like, 
the design, like the different attire designs and everything else. I'm just like, when he started doing more of that, I was like, okay, now I'm getting it. And when he had that match with Tyler Breeze and Breeze hit the beauty shot, a move that I've openly said I've always disliked as a finisher. Yeah, nobody liked that. <laughs> but when he hit Velveteen Dream with that move, like, I was so invested into that match. When Breeze hit it, I thought, oh, crap, we're going to get a new champion. I, I, I had completely forgotten for that brief moment how much I hated that move. Yeah, man. Like, I was thinking he was about to win this thing, too. I was like, oh, oh that's a wrap. That's a wrap. And he kicked, oh, I was like, oh, bruh. That match was so Gucci. It was so good. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, so, yes, I do think that the Velveteen Dream is going to walk out of TakeOver Tampa as the new NXT champion. And oh, I'll... Yeah. He's going to win that thing. He's going to act a fool, too. You know, I saw this talked about on, on a Facebook also. Don't be surprised if if the Raw after, Wrestlema after WrestleMania, Drew McIntyre's the champion and gets jumped again by the Undisputed Era. That's a possibility. I'd rather... My, my thing is, they need to build up some of the dudes they have on the roster at already. Because, I mean, like, what are they doing with, I, I know we're jumping the gun, but what are they really doing with Aleister Black? What are they really doing with, with Ricochet? Like, right now, who do they have? Like, their mid card is like, and is is like in limbo. So instead of calling up new guys and going through this whole thing, that was their problem before, when they called up Tommaso, Johnny, uh, Alice the Black, and Ricochet, and didn't have a plan for them. That was the plan they, the, the the problem they had before. So they, as much as I love to see the undisputed era roll up. Um, on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown or whatever, I think they need to pump the brakes and they need to build that mid-card up again. Well, before I talk about with Aleister Black um, and Ricochet, I think for the Undisputed Era, if they were going to show up anywhere, I'd rather they show up on SmackDown. I think SmackDown is in more dire need of them than Raw is. Mm-hmm. Now, um, as far as Aleister Black and Ricochet goes, you know, talked about this last night also. And, you know, I think Brian brought up this point to me that it's it's kind of a joint at joint uh, fault on this one. Aleister Black hasn't really done all that much to get himself over. But also WWE, they don't know how to market the guy. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying they don't know how to market a guy, a character like this guy. I can't put the fault too much on Alistair Black because when you, once you get on the main roster, you're, you're, you're following marching orders. 
when you're in NXT, this is why I take so much, you know, this is why I have so much problem with NXT trying to become a brand when everybody knows they're developmental. Dude, you are developmental. I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry to break the news to you. You're developmental. Even though you have a lot of dudes from the indies who have years of experience on their belt, you're still developmental. And they let you kind of spitball and, you know, run the show yourself a little bit in NXT. So Alistair Black was able to get over. Their only thing was like, hey, sell that black mask. Sell that black mask. Sell it. That's the only thing they, they did. Other than that, the matches, his matches were so good. His matches were so good. His promos were so good. They didn't have his ass sitting in a closet waiting for somebody to knock to pick a fight with him. That was, that right there was main roster stuff. Okay, so I don't really fault Alistair Black. I fault the writers, creative, whoever is coming up with this foolishness. Like you said, they don't know how to market the dude. They're still selling the black mask. I'll give them that. But other than that, you had dudes sitting in the damn closet for I don't know, God knows, I don't know how long. Instead of just coming out to the ring, sitting in the chair in the middle of the ring and telling folks, I want to fight or I'm not leaving. Or going to the back and picking a fight. Yeah, I mean, it. I'm not saying it was like half and half. I think, if anything, it's probably more of a 80, like 80% or 85% WWE's fault, 15% on. Black has to be able to. I mean, we. I mean, what his character is, he's got to. He has to put, like. He has to sell it as well. I mean, yeah, sells the black mask, like, no problem. Sells the entrance, but beyond the entrance and the black mask, nobody and the vignettes, all poor as they were, nobody really knows who he is or what he is. And it also, I think, unfairly, as this may sound, because of his... his beliefs I think WWE is a little intimidated at trying to market a guy with of that kind of belief I'm not saying it's right I'm just saying that probably could factor in with with WWE no I'm gonna harken back to to some of the stuff that um the John Moxley, a.k.a. Dean Ambrose, said in a lot of the interviews he does, you know, he has an idea of what he wants his character to be. WWE has an idea of what they want his character to be, and they don't usually match up. Now, you may have... Now, Aleister Black may have an idea of what his character is, and that's the stuff he was doing in NXT. But then you got Vince and everybody else on the main roster. They got an idea of what they want his character to be. And it's totally different. Now, 
he's not going to go out there and do what he wants to do because he doesn't have that stroke. That's called going into business for yourself. He can't do that. So he has to do what the idea Vince and them come up with. And that's where we're at right now. So I can't fault him for that. He's just doing what he's being told to do. Much like Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, would come out and do that goofy stuff that they had him doing with the fake Bane-looking stuff and the inoculations and all the other foolishness, the stuff he didn't want to do. So with Alistair Black, I know what he's capable of. We've all seen it in NXT where they let you roam free. You come to the main roster, you got to abide. You gotta play. You gotta play ball. You 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 get You got handcuffs on you. So I can't blame him for that. I gotta. Bl- I gotta put that where that lies. Yeah, but I tell you, while they may have their excuse or whatever for Alistair Black, you have no excuse for why why they're doing or. Not, I won't say doing what they're doing. In this case, it's doing what they're not doing with Ricochet. How you have a talent like that, and you, and reportedly Vince isn't high on him. All I could think is, are you out of your freaking mind? For one, Ricochet is hella talented. We all agree on that. Two. They write some of the corniest promos for this dude. Like, like to me, it's like, you listen to him and you're like, do people actually talk like that? No, they don't talk like that. And if you've ever met Ricochet or heard some of his uh, promos, you know, from the indies, you know good and well he doesn't sound like that. That's the thing about it. When you see some of these talents that you you've you've watched on the indies or watched in other companies and you've heard them talk before, then they come to WWE and you hear them talk again, it sounds like somebody wrote stuff for them. It sounds like somebody wrote some crap for them. Cause they say some of the crappiest, corniest stuff. And that's not helping Ricochet any. Cause they want him to come off as like the superhero and stuff. But he's saying cornball, corny stuff. Now, what they're doing with him in the ring is criminal. Because you could have totally... You could have totally sold Brock, you know, beating him. But not like that. Like, that's the whole thing they did with Kofi. They murdered Kofi's push. I mean, I understand if if you have Brock beat him. But he ain't had to murder him like that. And the same thing with Ricochet. You could have, like, when Brock was first in the WWE and he was beating up on the Hardy Boys, he made the Hardy Boys look tough because they kept getting up. They kept coming back, fighting back. Every week, they kept coming back, fighting back, even though he would destroy both of them. You could have did that with Ricochet. You could have had a nice lengthy match with him selling Brock and getting beat up and 
coming back and fighting back like, I'm not going to stay down. I'm not going to give up. And Brock laughing at him. And then, you know, kind of like, you know, Pac and Orange Cassidy. Pac could have beat him. But he kept, you know, picking him up. He could have said, Brock could have the same thing. I could have beat you. And Ricochet kept getting up. Ricochet never gives up. Never gives up. Never gives up. They could have did that. But no, they just murdered him. They murdered him in Saudi Arabia. They ain't had to do that, man, like that. And now here he is, losing to Riddick Moss, the 24-7 champion. Jesus, Mary Casey and Jojo. Y'all, they were wrong for that. You know, it's... I gotta tell you, it's just the fact that there's so much more you can do with a guy like Ricochet. I mean, this is the same guy that The Rock, The Rock of all people, looked at this guy and he called him the future. That's the true part. It's like everybody gets it except except for the people in charge. Paul Heyman gets it. The Rock gets it. Everybody gets it except for Vince. And that's a shame. Triple H gets it. He was he was rolling with him in NAC. Everybody gets it except for Vince. That's the wild part. Yeah, and this is the let's not forget the most in terms of asinine things that Vince has ever thought or said. I just don't see it. This is the same guy who doesn't see the appeal in Adam Cole. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that was a while back, but you want to talk about stuff that sounds really stupid, that he can't see the value in him? I mean, I I hate to, I mean, I've said the word, the phrase out of touch for a long time with Vince, but the fact that he isn't able to see stuff in guys like Ricochet or guys like Adam Cole just screams out of touch. I don't even think out of touch is in, is in the ballpark anymore, man. That's crazy. That's just pure delusion. Yeah, but I'm I never thought I would. I mean, at this point, I think the best thing you could do for Ricochet, if they're not going to do nothing with him on either roster of Raw or SmackDown, have him go back to NXT. He'd be better off. It's working out for Finn. That's the only thing you can do because, man, that's why so many um, NXT talent, low-key, don't want to get called up. Because right now they have the free range. Because, like I said, it's developmental. They have the free range to do what they want with their character, to build build their character. Oh, I'm going to do this this week. Oh, I'm going to take it up a notch with this, you know? Or oh, we're going to do this this week. They have the free range to roll with their character how they want, as, as opposed to Raw and SmackDown, where you got some J-Bro hand you a sheet. This is what you're saying this week. 
This is what we're doing. Bam, bam, bam. Do it, take that as you will. And that's not working. Ricochet wasn't doing that stuff. And uh, what you recall, look how mad, look how fancy free Finn Balor is on NXT. He's like a, it's, it's like a damn fish in water. Yeah, I mean, why do you think Tommaso Ciampa doesn't want to go, doesn't want to go back? I'm kind of afraid for him, too. Because you see how Ciampa is in NXT? He's such a badass. He's such a draw. Well, I'm almost afraid to see what they would do to him on Raw or SmackDown. Cause we got a little taste of it, a little, a little taste, but not too much because of the injuries and stuff, and they brought him back down. But I'm kind of, I'm kind of fearful of that type of thing. And the same thing with Undisputed Era. They have so much star power, but I'm afraid would they be, would they call them up and use their star power against them to have them put somebody else over? Instead of build them up, you know, kind of, kind of like some Nexus type stuff. We got Nexus; they're red hot. Let's let John Cena squash them till, till you never see them again. Would they? Uh, that's kind of what I'm afraid of. That they would bring them up, undisputed era would be way over, but they use them to build somebody else up who kind of doesn't need it. And you end up killing it. Killing them. Yeah, I mean... At this point, I mean... What other option you got? I mean, if, if you're not going to use them to their fullest ability... Then send them to where... To the place where they will be able to use their full ability. And like I said, how Tommaso Ciampa... Says he has no... He does not want to go to the main roster. He'd rather be in NXT. I don't blame him. I mean, I almost don't want him or Gargano to go to the main roster. Because I could, if Vince is this blind with guys like Adam Cole or guys like Ricochet or Aleister Black, who, who's to say he's not going to be the same way with other guys? And that's, and that's the truth, man. That's the truth in the gospel right there. Like, I trust Paul Heyman a lot more because he saw... He has, like, a group of people he had eyes for. He had, you know, high hopes for. But then you have Vince come in and kind of undercut him. He wanted to push Cedric Alexander. Once again, took him off at the knees. He wanted to push, you know, Ricochet. Cut him off at the knees. So, like, all these dudes that Paul Heyman agrees with the regular, you know, the regular fans. He sees stuff in, talent in. Vince comes in and cuts him off at the knees. Yeah, I mean, it, is it any wonder why people that want, while the true wrestling fans prefer NXT over the main roster? Because we're getting a lot more in terms of the wrestling quality out of NXT than we do from Raw or SmackDown. 
I mean, Cedric Alexander is basically non-existent since he moved to Raw. Now that's a talent, and you're not, and they're not using him right. That's why I was saying I felt like Ricochet was getting the, the Cedric Alexander treatment. Uh, but you know, the bottom line, what it comes down to, with I mean, everything, all of Vince's delusions, and just not even acknowledging the talent that he's got. He's just delaying the inevitable. Because if he if he was smart about it, then he would recognize that these guys are the future. And he can't rely on the big guys forever. Because in case he hasn't noticed, the big guys are running in short supply these days. Yeah, they don't have too many of them running around and stuff. And that's kind of why dudes like the Revival and stuff are like, you know what? I don't care how much money you throw at me. I don't want to play for you. They, they see. They, they, they read between the lines and stuff. What they're going to do is they're going to give you a title run to make you happy. They're going to put you on a storyline to make you happy. Then they're going to take that belt off you. And then it's going to be business as usual. As soon as you sign or re-sign on the dotted line. The Revival is smart. They know good and well they're going to give them a push. They're going to put them in a storyline. And then it's going to be business as usual as soon as uh, they re-sign. So they're not re-signing. And I think a lot of other talent need to be cognizant of that. Unless you're just there. You're happy to be there. You're happy to be employed in WWE. And you have high hopes or whatever. If that's if that's your deal, then God bless you, more power to you. But if you actually want to be on TV, you actually want to wrestle in front of the crowd, do what you love and stuff, then you ought to start weighing your options. You know? You have options out there. You have Ring of Honor. You have Impact. You have AEW. You have New Japan. MLW or uh, 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 NWA. You have options now. Because other than that, what you would call WWE is like they get it. NXT does. You know, it may be it may be uh developmental, but guess what? They get it. They let you do what it do. And now that they're on USA you can build your, your stardom up on there. I'd rather main event a damn takeover than, than main event on a pay-per-view that's gonna be that's gonna be lame. You made a you made a bit takeover, everybody's talking about that. Yeah, and you know, uh one other topic with NXT is how uh Finn Balor had his response to Walter, and I'm telling you. It's just further solidifying my theory that come take over Tampa, the prince is going to release the king. Something we haven't seen in quite a long time. Like I said earlier, like a fish to damn water. Ken Balor's out here killing it, man. Yeah, and you know, I can't help but think that the Demon King 
was it was more appreciated in NXT than it was on the main roster. It was. It was like like it it got over in New Japan. It got over in NXT. You could put them on the main roster, and they didn't. They oh, they really didn't do right by them too much. You know, it's like they didn't. They didn't. There was something missing. You know, from what they were what they were doing with him. But now that he's back in in NXT, he has he's he's exploring the side of his character that he wasn't able to his first go around. Now he was over like Rover his first go around, but he was babyface over. Now he's kinda like heel and and it's we didn't get to see that his first go around in NXT. So we get a different side of Finn. And he's out here having cool, cool fun with this. And, you know, even when he, even before he got moved up to the main roster, I think Finn felt, he felt happier in NXT than he did, than he did in, uh, when he went to the main roster. Because you want to talk about things that Vince, quote unquote, didn't get? He didn't get, he didn't get, uh, the Demon King or Finn Balor. He sure as hell didn't. He, he he didn't give that a chance at all. No, not a bit. But, you know, um, I watched a clip of a WWE backstage. Got to give a congrats to a JBL on being the latest Hall of Fame inductee. You know, I don't think he gets enough credit for what he... for what they had him... they tried to make him and, well, for the most part, succeeded in making him at the time when they needed him to be the top heel. Because Goldberg had left, Brock left, they didn't have nobody. And he's openly said this, and I think Bruce Pritchard has also said it too, that if it, weren't for, if it wasn't for Eddie Guerrero, the JBL character would have never taken off. Oh, man, I remember when JBL... Uh, came back with, you know, the whole JBL gimmick. And him and Eddie was, like, some of the best stuff on SmackDown, man. That, him, some, his, that, those, that feud was, was great. Yeah, and you know, the whole, that whole segment with, uh, him showing up at Eddie's mom's place and her having the quote-unquote heart attack. That was Eddie and Chavo's idea. Man, I didn't know that. Yeah, that was what I found out was that that was actually Eddie and Chavo's idea. And he said, like, um, Eddie was giving him suggestions after that, like, on what to say. Like, tell him, my, my, my ancestors came on a boat, not on yours came on an inner tube. And he was like, Dude, you're gonna get my ass killed. <laughs> Man, like yeah, like like his character was so was so good. You were like, this old racist bastard. <laughs> yeah. You were just mad. 
you were just mad. Just like he don't like Mexicans for nothing. This dude, it man, it was great, man. Like he totally reinvented himself, and you bought it. Yeah, and like he he was saying he didn't want like WWE selling any JBL merch or nothing. He didn't want nobody cheering for him. He wanted to be like he wanted to be like the standard for it, for the heel at that time. Like if you he always said if you had one person, like one heel section in the crowd cheering for you, you're not doing your job. And you're right. That's classic heel stuff. The heels from back in the day, they didn't have no merch. They didn't have fans waiting for them to take pictures with them, stuff like that. And if they did, they shrugged them off. They shushooed them. Mm-hmm. They were like, nah, get out of my face and all this stuff. They they stayed in character and told them to get, get, the, hell, get the hell on. And they got heat. You had people wanting to fight them after matches, like for real fight them. That's that's what the heel stuff was. Now you got heels, they taking pictures and this, that, and other, they selling t-shirts and all this. Nah, man. Nah, you got to do it like JBL was talking about. Like, no, I don't want no merch. I don't remember any JBL t-shirts either. <laughs> yep. like, yeah. You got you to get that heat, man. If you want to be a top heel, shh, yeah, you got to get that. You don't want folks chanting and cheering cheering for you and stuff like that. Nah, you want that nuclear ass heat, man. You want people booing the piss out of you, want to fight you, throw trash at you. You want that. Yeah, and you know, looking back at it, look, I hated that he was, I at the time I hated that he was the champ for so long because he was beating guys that I felt, in all honesty, he had no business beating, but still somehow pulled it off. But you know what? Looking back at it, I realize that was the idea. Yep. Piss you off, huh? Made you mad, huh? Exactly. I mean, I was seeing him having to, I was seeing him beat or somehow escape losing the belt to guys like Kurt Angle, Booker T, Big Show, Taker. And, you know, the one, what they played a recording on WWE backstage, somebody who wanted to thank JBL, and it was John Cena. And I remember I was at WrestleMania 21 when John Cena beat JBL for that belt. I mean, that that was the catalyst of it, of what, of what John Cena would become. And you know what? All the stuff leading up to it was entertaining as hell. Oh, yeah. Who could forget? Like, man, like you, want, like, you wanted somebody to beat him. And they had him built up like, somebody's got to beat this dude. I hate this guy. Somebody's got to beat Guess what? John Cena. <laughs> or who could forget the infamous John Cena-JBL debate? Oh, man, yes. When he call when he took JBL's hat, he goes, "This is a ten gallon hat." He pours the pitcher of water in there. He goes, "This is barely two gallons, so that makes you a liar." Oh, by the way, I'm done with this, and he puts it right back on his head. Man, they'll. I mean that 
that was one of the, I mean, in terms of segments that had John Cena in it, that one, that one, and the infamous, and I know WWE will always disavow it, but the infamous uh, Chris Benoit segment where uh, he had Heyman in the sharpshooter and John Cena had a uh, bar of soap. And every now and then would just go, Chris, and he'd apply the pressure. Yeah. <laughs> that segment still makes me laugh. And he's saying to Heyman, take a big bite, fatso. And then when Heyman just finally snaps and says, F you, he goes, F moi? And even uh, in the interview, JBL had said when with John Cena that he knew and everybody knew at that time this was the future, that he knew he had to put that guy over. But, you know, the match that ended up kind of cutting his his run as JBL the wrestler short. It was the, uh, it was the no, it was the no DQ or street fight, whatever the hell it was, match that he had against Batista. It was the, the Batista bomb on the steel steps. That, that wrecked his back and he was never the same after that. Oh, wow. I was like, yeah, oh, I did remember after that his wrestling career kind of took a back seat after that one. But, yeah, but, you know, I got no problem with him going into the Hall of Fame. He's had a hell of a career, and when they asked, they asked him who would he say probably defines JBL, he said the character of JBL uh, is absolutely Eddie Guerrero. But if he could name one person that defines him as the person, it'd be Ron Simmons. Oh, man, I remember. <clears throat> I remember when he was Justin Hawk Bradshaw, and then he came back. He went away for a while, came back, and he was, you know, Bradshaw. And you, I, at first, I didn't put the two together. It took a while for me to put the two, the two together. Like, man, ain't that Justin Hubbard? It took me like forever, man. Like he had, he had went his whole run with the ministry, and they came back as the acolytes and everything. Still didn't put it together. He came back, and they did the APA. They had a nice, long, lengthy run. APA. I don't think I still put it together. <laughs> I think it took me forever. Like, you know what? Ain't that just a hard brush? <laughs> Cause he had that long ass mullet. He had like the long, long, long hair. It was kind of on the reddish side, and he looked a little bit smaller. He was tall, but you know, kind of on the slim side. So he looked a little different. Actually, a lot of different. Yeah, but you know, let's also not forget before uh, becoming just Bradshaw was the. Uh... <laughs> Was the failed uh, new blackjacks? Oh man, I remember that. Yep, you had a you had a veteran like Barry Windham with him, and that just did not work. I mean, as a lot of people looked at the whole Justin Hawk Bradshaw character as just a 
as just a Stan Hansen wannabe. And that's why it never got over. Then you had him try him and Barry Windham try to re revive the Blackjacks, and that failed even worse. Yeah, that, that only lasts for a good what couple of weeks, maybe? Yep. But I don't think like then you have the Acolytes, but truth is is that the the tag team of him and Ron Simmons never really got over to me until the APA came to be. Yeah, because the acolytes were more like ministry, were like the the minions. I'm about to say ministry. They're more like the minions. Right. You know that group that that dark ministry was so deep. You know, Viscera, Midian, Undertaker. You know, it was it was deep. And 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 then they had like they were like the lowest part of that big storyline. So of course they were they were there. They were like the minions. But once they got to doing their own thing as the APA and they're backstage drinking beers and and playing cards and getting hired to, to do stuff and having bar brawls, that's when they broke out, man. That's when they just took all off. Yeah. I mean one one segment I remember I liked when um, it was when they finally started talking and like I guess they were challenging for the at the I believe it was Big Show and Taker when they were tag champs and they challenged them they got beat next night they came they came to the ring and said guys fight's not over we're still standing. That's when you finally started to really see what these guys were. But then when the APA came to fruition, ah oh man, that I don't think they ever imagined it would get over it the way it did, but it did. I'd love to know who came up with most of that stuff cuz that their backstage stuff was great. Like they had like the door and it was just a door. And they made people actually go through it. <laughs> they were like, hey, hey, hey. Go back and knock on that. <laughs> Yo, my, you got any manners? Go back and knock. And they made them go back around and <laughs> the, knock on the door. Bruh, it was so good, man. You had to pay him with beer. If you didn't have money, you had to pay him with beer. Yeah. All kind of stuff, man. They came up with so much good stuff. When you heard that music, you knew somebody was going to get their ass kicked. Yeah, man. But, um, you know, so far, I know some people have moaned and groaned about the Bella Twins getting in the Hall of Fame, Goldberg going in, yep. I don't have it, and Batista. I don't have an issue with this class. This class is pretty good. Like, as much as, as much of flack as the Bella Twins... Get, they were mad popular, you know. They were popular enough to get their own damn spinoff reality show, you know. As much as much as much as flack, and then and the thing about it was, as their career got, went on, they actually got better in the ring. So, and they actually got better character-wise too. It wasn't they were just twins, and they look alike. 
they actually kind of separated to where, you know, Nikki is this type of character. Bree is this type of character. And you're like, bam, bam, bam. And you know, so I'm, 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 I'm cool with it. I'm cool with them getting there. Yeah, you know, it, that's the thing that I think people overlook with the Bellas is that they were not the best wrestlers, but they worked their tails off to improve their skills in the ring. I mean, even though I've gotten into huge debates about it, um, the uh, now the former the girl formerly known as Kelly Kelly, she may not have been the greatest wrestler. She at least put in the effort. Which right. is, so that's why I had no issue with her was because at least she at least she worked her butt off to get better in the ring. I mean, if it, if they can give it if they give it their best effort, that's really all I can ask for. And the same the same applies with the Bella twins. So I like you, I got no issue with this Hall of Fame class. In fact, I think it's probably one of the more loaded ones that we've seen in quite a while. Oh yeah, it's pretty loaded so far, man. Yeah. Alright, so hey let's see, what other top any other topic you want to throw in tonight? Um oh man. Um if we could scoot back to AEW right fast. Yeah. At first okay, for one I love the Orange Cassidy Pac match at Revolution. Uh, a lot of people didn't understand or want or were wondering why would the Lucha Brothers come to the ring and interfere? And we kind of got that answer on Dynamite. They're part of a new group with Pac called the Dark Triangle. And I'm all for this. Once again, they're playing up the disrespect card. Pac has been beating dudes left and right, yet he has not had a title shot. He had a match for a title shot, but he lost to John Moxley, but he feels like that match should have never took place because he felt like John Moxley should have been out in it with an uh, injury. The Lucha Brothers have had title shots, but they haven't, you know, they haven't won or anything. They lost SEU. Yeah, SEU. So they're both playing this disrespect card, and now they're out here taking necks. You got a badass in Pop, a badass in Pentagon Jr., and a uh, semi-badass when he wants to be in Phoenix. And they're just getting it. And I can see that with Pac as the uh, mouthpiece and these two just headhunting. Like, this, that, that attack they had yesterday, I mean, on um, on uh, Trent and uh, Orange Cassidy, man, they got after them. So I'd I, I love to see what they're what they going to do with them, especially when they... um. They start doing the trios titles or trios divisions. Oh hell, this thing gonna be gonna be crazy. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you, you have, like you said, you got three 
three superb talents here. I mean, Phoenix, like you said, is a badass when he wants to be. And Pentagon Jr. and Pac, <laughs> what more can you say about those two? I mean, the one thing you could say with Pac is that he is another one of those classic guys that he doesn't have a bad match in him. And the same can be said for Pentagon. Like, that'd be crazy if they bring back the breaking arm gimmick with uh with Pentagon. That'd be so great. Because he would just, everybody was just mad afraid of, he's going to break their arm. That thing was over, so over in Lucha Underground. He would just sit on you just and, and break your arm after the match, even though he already beat you. Like, man, that thing would be crazy. Oh, yeah. That... That would be something if they brought that back in. Who knows? They just might. And, you know, um, here's one last topic I got for the night. So, we saw, um, I mean, we saw Cameron Grimes try to, try to call his shot on Keith Lee. That didn't work out very well. We also saw the grizzled young veter the the grizzled veterans attack Pete Dunn and and Matt Riddle, saying they're not waiting for their tag tag title shot. I don't know. Do you see Pete Dunn and Matt Riddle hanging on to the tag titles past Takeover? I don't know because they need to build that tag division back up. Uh, so I don't know. And we're we're both we're both under the under the suspicion that uh, um, the undisputed era might get called up soon. So they're gonna they're gonna once again they're gonna have to fill the hole because Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne were the hole. <laughs> were the were the, the putty that had to fill the the fill the hole. So and they put them together and put them as tag champs. So now they need to build up a new team. They need to build up new teams now. And you only really have, like, like right off the bat, you can think of Brazil Young Veterans and um, the Forgotten Sons that I can think of, like, right off the bat. If, if there's somebody else that's missing, they, they excuse me for it, but that's the only two I can think of, like, legit tag teams right now. And um in NXT, other than you know, the undisputed era. So yeah, they need to rebuild that tag that tag division before they break them up. Yeah, I mean the only other guys that I could think of. I mean, you have the grizzled young veterans. You got the forgotten sons, and what was it we saw them? Uh, the two guys, they wrestled the Undisputed Era last night's episode. The Lorkin and, uh... Oh, Flash Morgan Webster and, um... Ah, God dang it. Um, what's his name? Um, NXT UK. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good tag team. I liked them. Yeah, and they've wrestled Undisputed Era before and put on one hell of a match in the process. Yeah, I thought they were gonna go farther in the um in the Dusty Classic. Yeah, so did I. But um, but yeah, I mean the 
they definitely need a serious rebuild with the tag team division. But um, but we'll see what happens. But uh, they're they're playing off the story with uh, Dominic Dijakovic after his attack by uh, Damian Priest, and saying they're taking it week by week. Which I got. What do you think of the possibility of? Keith Lee, Dijakovic, and Damian Priest in a triple threat match for the North American title. Cha-cha-cha-cha. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes. I like yes. the... Yes. And more yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like the fact that they're doing something with, with Priest. I was kind of worried they were starting to pump the brakes a bit, but... Now it doesn't it doesn't feel like it right now. I feel like they're they're planning something with this guy. Uh, and, and I like that because at first I thought they were just gonna run with uh with uh Don, Donovan and let him you know rip through the roster in order to regain that you know footing and challenge Keith Lee. But no, they were like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna have him start to do it. But then we're gonna add Damian Priest back in, and you're like, "Whoa, okay, cool, cool." So now you got that going on. So now they're back. Those those two are gonna be back to beefing, and their whole objective is to get to the top of the mountain, which is Keith Lee. And I'm all for that. And if it just happens to lead to a triple threat match at TakeOver, then by God, I guess it just does. <laughs> yep. I mean, we already know we that it's impossible to get a bad match when you have Keith Lee and Dijakovic in there. But you add in Damian Priest? Yes, please. Dude, it's friggin' Godzilla versus King Kong versus Mechagodzilla. I'm here for that. Yep. Let's throw the, the birds some up, birds some some buildings down. Japan's not gonna. <laughs> Japan's gonna be all right. Let's tear some. Angel Grove's gonna be all right. Let's tear some more buildings down. Yeah, I mean, thus far, um, Takeover Tampa definitely shaping up. Then again, one does it not. It's Takeover. Come on now. Yeah. If there's one thing that's a constant with NXT, TakeOver never disappoints. There's death taxes and TakeOver. Exactly. I mean, there have been, like, dud matches in a TakeOver, but never enough to ruin the whole show. And there's barely been dud matches, if you if you want to play it like that. They may have underwhelmed. They, they may have not have been as great. Or they might have had to follow something that was like, that was out of his mind. Like, you were like, man, that match was crazy. And then the next match is like, ah, it was all right. It wasn't as good as that last one, though. It might have been like that. It might have underwhelmed. But they weren't too much of a dud. You know? They were all right. Like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, um,. One example I could think of, it's like uh, Mia Yim and Mia Yim and Shayna Baszler. 
it's not so much that the match was bad. It was just the fact that... <laughs> it was the fact that you had it go on after you had three matches that just were a total adrenaline rush. Yep. And another match that I could think yep. of um, that would probably not so much dud just by comparison was average. Alistair Black versus Lars Sullivan. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and I think there's probably a lot of people that wish they didn't remember that match. It wasn't as, it wasn't as good as you would have thought it would be, especially with the lead-up. Yeah. It was all about the follow-through. And it and that one falls less on the fault of Alistair Black and more on just the fact look who he was against. Yeah, he was still kind of big and clunky and everything. You know, so eh. I'm not a fan of I'm definitely not a fan of Lars Sullivan. And I know he's he was injured and everything, but you know what? I don't... I'm not missing him. Yeah, like, his 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 whole thing was, uh... Was kind of hit or miss. Because I didn't know how to feel. Like, you know, he's supposed to be this big monster. And he really wasn't all that big. Like, NXT-wise, he was big, I guess. When you put him against cruiserweights and stuff. But, you know, you put him in there right now with, like, Keith Lee... Without him and Dijakovic, not so big. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it's whatever. Yeah, I mean, he basically was, I, I said he was Snitsky with a beard. He, he kind of was, man. He kind of did have that Snitsky build on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me, I, I looked at that guy and all I saw was Guys like Snitsky or Ezekiel Jackson or or Brackus. He did have a, a kind of Ezekiel Jackson build on him. Yeah, if you look at the red tights, uh, uh, man, he really did have an Ezekiel Jackson build on him. Ugh. Even though Ezekiel Jackson did a lot better when he went to Lucha Underground. Yeah, exactly. But um, definitely interesting to see what what happened because what happens. Well, let's get past elimination chamber. Mercifully, then we can focus on what really counts, which is the road to WrestleMania. Do we have to talk about elimination chamber? No, that <laughs> teacher. Do we have to talk about elimination chamber? <laughs> no, as a matter of fact, that's as much as I will actually say about elimination chamber. How the hell you snitch with the, with, it's like, it's almost like the whole, um, the whole, uh, uh, women's title build in NXT, where they had Rhea Ripley and Charlotte talking mad noise and trash to each other, but you still gotta fight Bianca Belair. That's basically what the, what the Elimination Chamber is. Oh, we're 
sit here and have a contract signing, but we all know what was going to happen at uh, at WrestleMania, right? 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 Hello? Yeah? Right? All of us? Yeah, yeah. So I'd be like, what the hell are y'all, what the hell are y'all fighting for? And it's a, it's a pay-per-view where you got neither of the main champions, I guess. Like, neither one of them are there. So what's the point? None. Basically, none. They're fighting for a title. You're not even gonna you're not even gonna be in the match. You're not even gonna be in the match. Why? Why uh, uh the rest of y'all. What what the, what are y'all what are the women fighting for? You know Shane is gonna be uh there is no way in blue hell as much as I love Oscar and I would love to see her take off Becky hopefully beat her we all know good and well that's not that's not what's gonna happen and that's the only woman in that match that could uh i could see them putting um the uh title match other than Shayna. right that's the only other person they ain't gonna put no damn the morgan in there they're not gonna put nobody in the riot squad in there stop that so, I mean, it's, it's, y'all basically having a women's elimination chamber match for the sake of having a women's elimination chamber match. Next, please. Right. Yeah, the, the, the whole thing is just, I would love nothing more than to look at elimination chamber, blink, and have it be over. It makes no sense. The same thing with the men's elimination chamber. For one, you're going to have Roman Reigns come out and sit there and go up to Goldberg and say, guess what? I'm next. It's like, what about elimination chamber? Elimination who? <laughs> yeah. I think everybody basically is just waiting for that pay-per-view to be over just so we can get get on to the countdown to WrestleMania. Yeah, like, how many days? 32. What are you doing? Pointing to the sign. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But, with that being said, going to wrap things up tonight. Any closing thoughts for the night, T5? I have none. Wrestling has been great. Uh, shout out to MLW and the way they've been booking Contra Unit. If you haven't watched MLW, YouTube, it's on YouTube. Try it. Because country, oh my God. Freaking Jacob Fatu, that dude's a monster. Oh, uh, what else? NWA Power is entertaining. I'll give them that much. Their matches aren't going to be like five-star wild matches, but... You know, it's character-driven, and it's very the hell entertaining. So, yeah, if you, if, if you like old-school territory-type wrestling, give it a whirl. Watch it. It's on YouTube. Other than that, man, um, I'm, I can't wait to see what AEW does next, man, because that was, they're, they're building stuff, man. I don't know, man. They're building something. Yeah, I mean, 
I liked what they did showing that just because Jericho just because Jericho lost the belt doesn't mean the inner circle still isn't a presence. And I'm and I'm interested to see what they do with this whole blood and guts thing. It's supposed to be like, you know, war games. They're gonna they're gonna uh talk about the, the rules ne- uh next week. So I'm kinda interested to see what uh what they're gonna do with that and how that's gonna play out. Yeah, I mean it things are definitely shaping up and it like you said, it's a good time to be a wrestling fan. Show sure enough. All right, with that being said, we'll be back the next time with, with we'll, actually, we'll actually be doing the next episode of Variety Bites tomorrow. And I, well, I'm, well, I'll keep it as a surprise because, honestly, I don't have a topics list set up for that one, but I will. But in the meantime, this has been The Shark Attack. I am Sean Williams. He's Travis T. Five Smith. We out of here. Cheers, people. Cheers. He was born perfect, and just like the great white shark. <laughs>